Hey, good evening, Internet. Uh, welcome back to Can't Hurt Your Own Risk, number episode 36, where Kent and Chris are going to be discussing the Mummy franchise, the one starring Brendan Fraser, as well as the spin-off, The Scorpion King. Um, this is kind of like the Halloween episode, and Kent let gave it to me because it's uh, my birthday today, so uh, he let me choose something horror-adjacent, instead of going with something, you know, totally scary, which I appreciate, because every once in a while it's nice to talk about something that makes me smile, instead of something that makes me want to cry. Um, so, I have very fond memories of this series, and uh, some of those memories were sustained, and some of those were tarnished as I rewatched them to talk about it. Uh, what about you, Kent? Like, thinking back to when they came out. When... So I definitely remember going to the theater and seeing The Mummy, The Mummy Returns, and Scorpion King, the latter two because of The Rock and me being a big wrestling fan, but also because I thoroughly enjoyed The the Mummy that came out in 99. Like I was trying to remember who I went and saw this with, and I don't remember if I... I might have gone with like you and Eric and Jim as a group, but I don't, I don't remember... I have no idea. Like, this is not one of those films that I can sit here and definitely tell you who I went with. So that that's a possibility, no doubt. I just remember thinking like this was a very entertaining movie. I I, I don't always. I hate to say like it's not a good movie versus a bad movie. This movie was entertaining as all hell to me at that time, though. It was something in a, a genre that we really don't get very often, and that's like the Indiana Jones type, like action and adventure movie. That's what I, I spent like the first uh, two two and a half movies trying to think, like, what is this movie trying to do? And then I finally I was like, oh yeah, Indiana Jones. Like, it didn't click with me for for that long. Then I was like, oh okay, now yeah, all the pieces are there because. They don't go full-on horror. They don't go full-on action because they throw in some whimsy. Th- they throw in some comedy. Uh, I mean, I mean not even, it, like, subtle winks. Yeah, if, they, if they had, like, the map going along with, like, the line going on it, then I think it would have been, like, everybody would have connected the dots. But, yeah, I mean, that's basically what it reminded me of. You know, like, I guess, for lack of a better, you know, an action-adventure kind of movie, you know, and we don't get a ton of them. And we get even less that are good. Right. I mean, this was really a good attempt to try to make Brendan Fraser, like, A-list. And you could say he probably was A-list for a stretch of time because of this. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't never going to be Brad Pitt level, but between this and, like, George of the Jungle and... I don't remember a couple other movies that came out right around the same time. Yeah, he um, he was pretty fucking popular at the height of the game. And shit, like I don't know if we can. The Rockhead obviously had a career before, uh, you know, jumping into acting. But these two movies kickstarted his acting career. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, these the, were really yeah. acting school for him. I don't really see him getting the rundown or walking tall without having done these two beforehand. Right, yeah. And every movie, probably in The Rock's first 
six to eight films, you can really see him like the progression on on his movies uh, until probably like I don't know. I, I, just because I like to shit all over, I hate Fast Five, so I'm gonna just throw out Fast Five. <laughs> it came before that, but you know, like his yeah. progression was really good with, with those movies. Um, um, oh gosh, the get what was it? Get short. Get uh, well, it wasn't Get Shorty. It was the sequel um, that he was in. We played the the gay thug. Yeah, he was so good in that. Uh, what the hell was that called? I'll think of it in a second. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but, you know, one of the things I... So I'm, like, looking through the cast, I'm like, geez, I, I don't really... Eric Avari was a name that, you know, isn't, like, a household name, but it's a name that I kind of am familiar with. Rachel Weiss is a, a name that I've heard, but then I'm like, what the hell do I even know her from? Uh... And, and to this point, I don't really think I know a whole hell of a lot of her her stuff. Are, are you? Did you watch a bunch of her stuff? Uh, the, for again, for her, the mummy was the breakout thing, and she started doing stuff afterwards. She's done a lot more like drama stuff, you know, kind of uh, up for Academy Award kind of thing. Like the biggest thing that I remember her doing genre wise since then was the uh, the Fountain. The one with, um, uh, I think it was Darren Aronofsky. He did it with um, her and uh, Hugh Jackman. Oh, and the Get Shorty sequel was called Be Cool. And if you're talking, can't I can't hear you? Uh, of course I was. Um, yes. Uh, be cool. I enjoyed the holy hell out of. So, uh, yeah, it was really good. I'm seeing that she did um, the fountain. Uh, we've said the fountain. Um, the lovely bones, which I probably need to watch again. But and, I don't know. Born Legacy, I never saw. I've never seen any of the Born movies. Uh, Black Widow, I still haven't watched. So she's not somebody that's been on my radar. She was very pretty to look at um it's i know this is something we'll get to in the second one but what a difference between two films yeah it's almost like alien aliens Uh uh-huh um but with that being said like this was was a good fun cast like I don't, I don't even know who the hell John Hanna is, but he was really fun. Yeah, he's, you know, I, the only thing I remember seeing him in besides this was, like, um, the Gwyneth Paltrow one, where she had, it, it was like, what would have happened to her if her life, you know, if she did one choice different, and it, it showed the two, uh, okay. I forgot what the hell it was called. Uh, that I do not know. Give me one second, I'll get there, but, um, yeah, and it's funny because like a lot of the people in it are either genre actors, like yeah, like you said, like Eric Avari. Yeah, uh, he's awesome. Kevin yeah. Kevin J O'Connor. You know it's serious when you got to include the uh, middle initial. <laughs> I, I, you know, there was a part of me that was like, is there a chance that he made it out? I don't know. 
he just seemed like the kind of guy that could could survive anything, but you know, clearly he did not. Yeah, I don't think he did. Um, shit, what was it? Almost there? Almost there? What else was he in? He was in Van Helsing, which I've never seen. See that? That's the thing. Like I haven't seen like hardly any. You're of the naming movies. all these movies that like I've seen. Like how have you not seen Van Helsing? Yeah, Van Helsing really does seem like a movie. Oh, he was Dr. Mindbender in G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. Uh, I like how you name, like, the worst fucking movie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, are you... Come on, now. You can't be shocked that I've seen that. And he was in Flight of the Living Dead, and I have a feeling that I saw that. So... Yeah, really naming some of his all-star performances. Uh, you know what um, John Hanna was in that I forgot about? He was. Mm. Did you see the, the Spartacus TV show? Oh. He was Badiatis, the guy who... Right? Yeah, he was the one who uh, who owned them. Oh, okay. That ends up getting killed at the end of season one. Now, here's a fun fact for you. So, on Flight of the Living Dead, not only did it have Kevin J. O'Connor, it also had Eric Avari. Uh, yeah, see, they all work together. And then, but uh, I remember, like, I had never seen Arnold Voshlu or um, Oded Fair before. And then they appeared in, you know, like, not a ton of stuff, but, like, Arnold Voshlu and Oded Fair were both on, like, NCIS. You know, uh, Oded Fair was the guy who got Deuce Bigelow into being a gigolo in uh, Deuce Bigelow, so. And he was also in Resident Evil Extinction, a terrible movie that I definitely saw. Yes, yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure like the some of the uh, Americans uh, were also like genre actors. Like I, I, I'm pretty sure I've seen like Corey Johnson before and other stuff. Um, Jonathan Hyde, the guy who was the the head uh, of that expedition, you know, he's been in all sorts of shit from like uh, Anaconda to you know I don't know all sorts of horror B list stuff. So yeah. I I really became uh I really liked Oded quite a bit uh out of all the performances I think him and oh gosh him and his Benny and and Jonathan they they really all did a good job to win me over uh as good side characters which is always just as important as a good lead like you want your lead to be able to carry everything while your side actors reel you in yeah, and uh, I'll, I'll say this, you know, like even the the smaller smaller parts, you know, like the the opposing um you know, expedition to try to, to racing them, they fleshed them out enough without going too much into detail that you know, they they had their enough personality that, you know, when you start seeing them getting murdered, you know, I wouldn't say that you cared, but you know, it mattered. You know, they they stuck out. Um I mean, one of the things, too, that I love about this movie is just that the humor hits for me. It it was really, like, at times it, it felt like a damn Looney Tunes thing, almost. Like, it was almost so in your face, but I'm completely good with that sort of type of humor if, if you're on, you know, stay with that humor, which it did, and I was completely fine with it. Like, there's a scene towards the end where, um... Ardiff, uh, Rick, and Jonathan are shooting at mummies and running from them uh, when they're trying to save Evie. And 
like the the foreground focus is on uh Brendan Fraser and uh what's his face uh Tom Han- John Hanna's in the background but he he shoots all of the bullets in his revolver and then he looks at it and then he throws the revolver at the mummies that are coming at him I mean yes. it, it's just like it's such a background thing but it's so fucking fun. I mean it's so in his character I fucking love it I mean that's the kind of shit they hit for me um yeah, and you know, even watching it on the old low res DVD version, some of the, like I have to say, there were some things in these movies that were like cutting edge, fucking technology wise. Oh, the special effects at the time, this yeah. was really good. Like the crawling under the skin of the scarabs was interesting. Uh, just the overall composition of Emotep was. Interesting. Yeah, they they did a good job too of making a dude who was like evil, but sympathetic as well. I mean, he wasn't. You know, I don't think anybody wanted him to win, but I don't think anybody was like, oh, you know, this guy was you know just a complete asshole. You know, he wasn't like an unrepentant, you know, like child murderer or anything. You know, in along that. Right. Yeah. Um. So, a couple of things that, you know, they, they also hit on some cliches, like, hey, should we kill him? No, the desert will. How often have we just seen, like, that kind of scenario play out where it's like, should we kill the guy that we're supposed to kill? No, we'll let the environment do it. And it, the environment never does. So, maybe somebody make a movie where the environment does kill the person. Zig when everybody's zagging. Yeah. Thought. Yeah, there you go. And, and I know they did it for comedic humor, uh, comedic reasons, stuff. Uh, and, and I guess I wanted to complain more about this in the second one. But, you know, when when she knocks over all the bookshelves in the library, and I'm thinking, like, why would anybody ever arrange it where if one falls, everything's going to fall? I don't know. I don't know. And, yeah, that's the kind of shit that, like... I give it a pass for, because, hey, that's... Kids found a human. I mean, that's towards the beginning, too, and it's... It's lighthearted, I get it. But, but, I guess I'm just going to blow my load here, is that they did the exact same damn thing in part two. Well, it was a little different. Did we need another domino effect ploy? I don't know. Well, we might not have, but Rick and Evie did, so... Well, yeah, okay, fair enough. They they needed it more than we did. Okay, I'll buy into that. <laughs> uh, but no, I get you. Yeah, like, what were they rated? They had to been PG thirteen. I'm thinking. Yeah. Because nothing about them were it was graphically. I. Mean, th- even like when they were slicing up guys, they weren't showing it from a bloody perspective, really. Yeah. So yeah, both are PG thirteen. So I mean, you. I don't know. I, I don't. I mean, a it was a simpler time back then too. So. Oh gosh, this was a time in my life where I didn't take movies seriously. So like, this type of thing was incredible. Like. I was just a happy-go-lucky schmuck that, although I watched a ton of movies, 
I never analyzed or really cared. I just watched him to be entertained. And this, as I said in the very beginning, like this was entertaining as hell. Uh, I couldn't have asked more for a movie. I, this this was one of the movies I'm pretty sure I bought like when it first came out on VHS. I think VHS was still... DVD just kind of started, right? Around this time? The first DVDs I remember getting were in 98 for my birthday. So, uh... So, yeah, I mean, it could have been VHS. Probably both, yeah, I mean. Yeah. Alright, so, I mean, let me ask you this. Like, I know you've watched them, but, like, how how well-versed were you on the old Universal horror movies, the black and whites, you know, the Bela Lugosi, Boris Karloff's? Um, I probably saw them about four or five years ago, so uh, memory doesn't serve me well. So, but I mean, so you you weren't at the time, you know? Oh, at the time, no, I'd never seen any of them. And if I had said, "Hey, we're making a movie. We're going to make a movie about either a Dracula, Frankenstein, the Wolfman, or the Mummy," which one would you have been the most excited about? At that time, I would have been more excited about Dracula or Wolfman. So the fact that we got something about the mummy, who I would have said would have probably been last on my list, and it was good, was like a shock out of the fucking blue. Yeah. Yeah. To be perfectly honest, like at the time, I didn't even correlate this with being like um, in the same vein as the Universal. Um, world i guess i i don't know i just didn't consider that aspect so to me i was just like oh it's a movie about a mummy cool like i don't know i, I probably thought more about like some like scooby-doo or some shit than i did about the universal monster movies yeah i get you so i i mean i don't know, like i was prepared to not like this and then seeing it and you know having it because i mean again like you watch the trailers now and it it doesn't tell you where it's leaning. You know, you see a little bit of horror, a little bit of comedy, a little bit of action. Um and you it I don't know if they necessarily gave you like the the greatest idea that hey, this is going to be just basically a collage of all three um genres at the same time. But I mean, like the mummy for me is one of probably the most surprising movies I I saw on how much I enjoyed it from where I was expecting to be going in to see the movie. Yeah, I, I could see that. I don't really know... Like, from for me, I'm trying to go back in time, and I can see myself saying, I liked Brendan Fraser at the time, uh, mainly because I liked Airheads, and did, was he also an Encino Man? Yeah, yeah, Encino Man, you know, so, yeah. So I... I liked his comedy stuff at the time, uh, and he'd already done George of the Jungle, I think, by then, uh, which I loved George of the Jungle cartoon, and, you know, the movie wasn't great, but it was okay, you know? So, like, I was kind of ready to enjoy it, but, I don't know, you, you never know what you're going to get. So, this was a pleasant surprise at a time where I don't think I was going to the movies as much, or maybe this was the year that I started going to the movies a lot. I'm not sure if it was 99 or 2000. I don't remember anymore. But uh, more surprisingly, I guess to me, is that rewatching it is still held up very well. Like, the joke still landed for me. 
Yeah, yeah, I would I would agree. Um, I, I can't say the same for all four movies, but for this one, hell no. This one, yeah, it definitely held up. Yeah, um, I you know I I already made the Scooby Doo reference, but there was the one scene where Burns is like, "My glasses, my glasses," and all I could think of was Velma. Um, one thing, yes. it, this is such a weird note that I have is the ending credits the the initial music right before they so you got the credits before they get to like listing out the cast now the music's done by Jerry Goldsmith who's a really well highly regarded you know guy in the film industry the music didn't match the tone or anything of this movie at all and i'm sitting there like why, why Why? did you choose this music? I know it's like a really, really stupid thing to complain about, but I paid attention to all the movies, and only two out of the four got it right. Like, this one really didn't hit the mark didn't, until, like, then they got to the cast, and then the music shifted to something that made more sense to this movie. I don't know why they... I don't know, I expected more from Jerry Goldsmith, I guess. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I, I do want to bring up um, another scene that I love from this one, though. Is the first time Benny runs into Imhotep, and he he's he's praying on the cross, and then that doesn't work. He pulls out the whole jumble oh. of charms, and he starts Buddha, Taoism, and then he finally hits on uh, Judaism, Hebrew. and and, yeah. and Imhotep recognizes the Hebrew. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, I could have some use for you. Yeah. Also, uh, another thing that, you know, I'm sure, I'm guessing you noticed in the three Mummy movies is that they always had a kind of wacky pilot character in all three movies, and all three of them were good characters. Um, Winston Havelock or Havelock? Winston Havelock, Uh, RAF, British. He was my favorite. I mean, in the short time that he was on there, he brought so much joy to me, so I feel like I need to recognize his greatness. I, you know what? I forgot until I was watching it that fucking um, uh, Davos was the pilot in uh, the fourth one. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, and and this is just going to be a weird reference for people that aren't you and I, but... Um, so many times when they had to move the mirrors around to get the light reflected, and all I could think of was Resident Evil 5. Because you have to do that in the temple. And there's a lot of this movie that I was like kind of envisioning a little bit of Resident Evil 5. Just throwing that out there. You know what it reminded me of? Because it's the, the first time I saw that, and I go back to it, was um the ending of Legend. Only... Uh. Only you didn't have to have the flight, the sprite chick fly up the top of the chimney to wake up the dwarf on the top. Right. Obviously. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to say about part one? Uh, you know, I, I liked that Emotep wasn't... He was a villain without being... Like, they actually explained everything early on without like you hating him for the first 80% of the movie. And then all of a sudden given his backstory, you're like, Oh, he wasn't that bad of a guy at all. Like circumstances. I thought that was kind of important. 
I um, I still question the decision on like. Yes, I can understand that by giving him the the Hondar, you make him suffer for eternity. But the fact is that like if he can get out of it, he has unlimited power. Like that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, you bring up a very good point, and I liked in all three Mummy movies. It's like. Well, if this guy gets loose, then the world's going to end every single time. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I like how in Mummy Returns, Stan is like, "Oh yes, the old end of the world ploy." <laughs> Doing that <Exactly>. again. <laughs> All right, so I guess we'll go into the Mummy Returns then. I um, this this came out it says it came out in 2001 I don't remember what time it came out in 2001 but I don't remember seeing this one in a theater um I I do just because it was as I said The Rock it came out May 4th 2001 maybe I did then I don't I don't know I'm College classes may have uh, depend on you yeah. know, a variety of things, but eh, you know, like th- this for me was a slam dunk in my mind because I'm like, okay, love the Mummy, love the Rock, all right, let's let's go for it, y- you know. But I, I don't know. This is gonna probably make me sound grouchy, but I really didn't care to add a kid to the movie. You're grouchy. Yeah, that's fine. I accept it's, that. It's cool. But what I accept even less is that Evie is suddenly, like, a badass fighter. Like, what the... what? Did did she go, like, train under Pai Mei, like, after having the baby? Like, what happened? Where she's suddenly, like, super badass. Yeah, she's just remembering her past life. <sighs> And then there's the past life. Did you like the past life? I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna come out and say it straight out. The Mummy Returns is my favorite one out of the whole tril- this, the franchise. Really? Yes, I like it better than the first one. No shit. I did not expect that. Uh, it's one of the only movies where they do a direct sequel that I can remember that I really think that they did a good job of building on the characters. They they did. They really did. They they went back to the well on a few things, and some people will say that's a good thing, some say that's a bad thing. I, I guess I don't really want to have an opinion either way, because I, I get why you want to go back to the well as long as you don't overdo it, right? Like, the domino mm-hmm. effect thing, uh, wacky pilot, um, I don't know, there's a few things that they kind of went back to. And that's fine, though, because it also allows for continuity purposes. Uh, I mean, I'll I'll give you the wacky fucking temple pillars shit. Um, You know, I was, yeah, I, for the most part, I would agree with you. Adding a kid to the mix does not necessarily make a better fucking story. I don't think this kid did great, but I don't think he, he brought it down. He didn't bring the film down. No, no. No. Um, They did a lot of cool things. But, alright, one thing that I guess irked me, and I'm jumping all the way to the end, is, like, 
it felt to me like the Scorpion King was suddenly like a bad fighter, like the last like minute of his duel at the end. I didn't quite understand why all of a sudden he was such a good fighter, and then he just kind of made too many mistakes. Yeah, you know, all right. Overall, just because we're bouncing around now, the weakest part of the movie is The Rock. Yeah, yeah, and it is, and it's it's not it's not his fault because as we've seen. You know, from what twenty-one years later, you know, The Rock does a lot of things where he's you know Will Smithing it. He's just The Rock in it, but he can put out a decent performance. Uh, and he just didn't have the right director to pull that out of him in his very first movie. Correct. Like I, I would agree. the The opening scene, which is most of the the spot where we actually see him as The Rock. It's it's not horrible, but it's not great either. I mean, the only thing that really tears me out of it is when we get to the end and we see him as the Scorpion King. And, like, for for a series that did so much well with CGI, to do that poorly with CGI... And, you what know, the hell were yeah. they thinking? I don't know. I mean, I really don't... Cause it's like we said, you know, there's things in, in the first one and things in this one that were like cutting edge uses of CGI for the time. And then you, you see like how plastic his fucking face looks in, in that when he's translated into the Scorpion King. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, I, I actually took a picture because as I'm watching it, there's a scene where two of the the bad guys in red... They're about ready to get exploded by, I want to say, Brendan Fraser's character. And right before the explosion, I paused it, and I noticed, like, they don't even look like people. They look like mannequins. It's uh, such a poorly shot thing. Like, uh, there was a lack of uh, experience, I I guess, maybe. I I don't know, like, what they were thinking by, like, letting some of these things slip in the movie like something like that I shouldn't be seeing plastic or rubbery looking faces yeah I don't know I don't know I mean the only thing I can think of is is shooting on film was definitely different than shooting digital yeah I would agree Um, and I don't know I don't know how much of it was done green screen yeah uh, I mean that that one was a, a a very practical situation. There was also, gosh, was it this one where was it this one where she was like tied up and like they were dragging her and like they showed like from her face and like showing her she was being dragged and it looked really funky. Uh, I don't, I was even the right movie. Well, she's she was dragged, tossed, tied up, and dragged. But I don't remember that scene that you're talking about, like seeing her look really funky. So, okay, it, to be perfectly honest, it may not even be the right movie. I've watched about 15 movies the past three days. So yeah, that's a lot to ask you to remember. Uh, but by and large, they got they got it right. If but that moment when you see the rock is CGI'd, uh, what the just see, and the other thing that gets me when you see him CGI'd like that—that's bad CGI. But overall, like 
I think you look at almost any action scene in this one compared to the first one, and you got to be like, they fucking way up their game in how they filmed the 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 action. Yeah, and I notice throughout the whole franchise, but especially in this one and the next one, um, as far as the Mummy, I'm not talking about Scorpion King. Um, they. They basically are like, let's just follow Star Wars here. Let's have three fights happening at the same time culminating together. Tried and true method, when you get it right, it works really well. And by and large, like, because you have, uh, what was his name, Ardeth doing his fighting. You got her doing her freaking Molina versus Katana shit going on, which was fun as hell. (laughs) Uh, All of the... All right. I'm curious what you think about this. There are times when, like, I appreciate a good choreographed fight as well, you know, because they're all choreographed. Like, I mean, you know, to say that it's not, but sometimes it looks so overly choreographed. Like, I I don't know how you get a smooth transition sometimes for actors and actresses that don't normally do, like, fights. There were times where the the little fights were really good with the two women, and other times where I was just like, "Oh gosh, they they should have edited it or found a different way to do something." I, I don't know. And yet, like in Kill Bill, for example, it was probably the same shit, but it was far, somehow more entertaining to me. Maybe because there was a lot of blood and limbs flying all over the place. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Um, also, was there really a need for the Scorpion King to actually have a scorpion bottom half? Like, would that fight not have actually been better if he was still just a normal dude? Like, I think that battle would have been better. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Because then it would have been like, he would have had to have powers, you know, otherwise, why is he going to, you know, how is he going to end the world kind of shit? That's fair. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not sure if him having a scorpion bottom half. You just wanted to really... see him wrestle people. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't, didn't get yeah. no rock bottom. I know. I didn't get no German yeah. suplex. Nothing. I got the people's eyebrow. That, that's <laughs> what I got. We got a lot of the people's eyebrow. And and for that, I'm grateful. Um, I like that they brought back uh, Patricia Velasquez. Yeah. Um, I you know I mean that's that's a, that's another one of those things where it's like okay. So, I mean, we had to sacrifice uh, Evie in the first one in order to be able to bring Anak Sunamon back, but somehow this woman, who is the reincarnation of Anak Sunamon, is already back, you know, and alive, and obviously was alive, you know, seven years ago, because she's an adult. Right. But yeah, I mean, I the, the continuity and the character growth is what made me really like this one. You know, between between Rick, between Evelyn, between um Jonathan, uh Ardeth, you know, like even seeing like when Imbotep comes back and he sees Rick for the first time and he's like you and then they like they summon back the uh the mummies the like the the guard mummies from the end and Rick's like, Oh not these guys yeah, and they yeah. they do the growl at him again, and he's like, "Fuck!" 
This is the one that had the uh, the pygmies too, right? Yeah, the pygmies. And again, this is another one where the humor hit for me. Still, I mean, some of it was a little over the top. Like, is he getting shot in the ass? You know, going on about that for so long. But like, again, they uh, they didn't really have a Kevin J. O'Connor character, but they kind of did with the one, um, like, slight looking uh, guy dressed up in the uh, the red, red and black. Yeah, and, and there's the the scene at the end where he and Jonathan are running next to each other, and Jonathan's like, "Oh, a burial ground! They can't come in here." <laughs> yes, and then the piggy falls in and stabs the guy, and he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't think they could." <laughs> um, all right. One thing I I cringed at when I saw it the first time. I'm still cringing at it now, and maybe I shouldn't be cringing at it, but I just think the balloon looks stupid. That's all I got. I just don't like the balloon. I get why they did it, though, because it's easier for them. You know, if they're doing an airplane, they're going to be bypassing the the train. You know, they, yeah, that, and it gives it gives them a place to be able to have like conversations. I and, didn't, like her jumping off, like the thing, like when she was in her in her uh, yeah me- memory, memory state. Yeah, I was like, why? Th- why is it? I, I still didn't quite understand what why that prompted her to do that, I guess, but... Plus, I... Alright, so... When somebody jumps off, then somebody follows them and makes the jump and can somehow catch up to them because gravity somehow works differently and are able to grab them, I always am there for that. That's a movie trope. You know, it it yeah. is. I'm always good with it. Um... I really like the gong because it sounded like Mortal Kombat at times. So there's a couple Mortal Kombat things going on in this movie for me, which I'm appreciative of. Dude, I want to know how re- come how come it always broke down into the good guys dual wielding and the bad guys two handing. Um, you know, like like during yeah. during the fight with uh, Nefertiti and Anaximun back in the the memory. You know, it gets to the point where Anaximun's got the spear and. And Nefertiri's got the two axes, and then Rick fighting, uh, uh, what's his face, uh, Imhotep at the end, you know, he's got the two axes, and Imhotep's got, like, the, uh, the dual-bladed, um, I don't even know what the fuck you'd call that. Are they scimitars, maybe? No, they weren't, well, were they? No, he had the, um, he had, like, basically, like, a quarter staff, but it had the two crescent blades on the ends oh, of it. Oh, okay, yes, those. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I I don't know, just little tropes like that, but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can I can understand why people wouldn't like it as much as the first, but uh, I don't think it's bad. You know, I think it was still a good movie in the franchise, even if people are looking at it objectively different than I am. Um, I think for a sequel effort. This was really good. It was, this was a really strong sequel. Mm-hmm. And the rating shows it, I think. 6.4 for a sequel on IMDb is pretty damn high, quite frankly. Yeah. All right, so, um, I mean, is there... Also... Go ahead, yeah. The credit music, much better. You know what? I didn't realize this either, but um, I'm a huge live fan. Like, I've seen them live three times. I didn't realize they did that song for it until I got the DVD edition, and you know that was like one of the extras. 
like the group that did like lightning crashes. Yeah, yeah, they did the song. Drama. They did the song "Forever uh, Will Not Be Long oh, Enough for Us." That w- okay, I didn't re- recognize them. Okay, that wasn't a bad. That was actually a good song to play for that. Yeah, it worked. It worked. I, I listened. I remember listening to it a lot on the extras on the DVD when this <laughs> the movie came out. Um. All right. I mean, if there's anything else you want to say about this one, nope. I you know what the one thing I well I liked like the the fact that they had like all of the hundreds or thousands of magi, you know, like following them, and then they get into the fight with all the Anubites, and I thought they looked pretty cool. Like I'm not gonna lie, I thought that they did a pretty good job of the CGI for them, which is also why like part of like. Why the fuck the Scorpion King sucks so badly is, like, astonishing. Right, because everything else really looked pretty on point. Ex- the, the Scorpion King just looks so out of place compared to everything else that they did in it. And there's a scene where they're, they finally, they're finishing up the army, and they all cheer, and then they look, and there's, like, a, a, a larger army running at them, and they're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> but uh, my question is, when they before they realize that the second army's ru- coming at them, like they hear something, and then I don't know if you remember what they how they filmed it, but they go to uh, Odin Fair or Ardeth Bay, like running through the rest of them, and they cut to slow motion and they like fast break like three times to show him moving before he gets to the edge of them to look out and see that the other army's coming. I just thought that was like a really weird and interesting choice of like how to film it. Yeah, I, I I would agree. The use of slow motion, eh, each film they use slow motion in more and more scenes. I think I noticed. So it's interesting when they did and didn't use it. Um, I, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. It's it's unique. All right. So do you want to hit Tomb of the Dragon Emperor? Or do you want to hit Scorpion King? Yeah. Yeah, All right. let's let's start hurling some insults here because I'm I'm pretty sure we're on the same page here. I just rewatched this, finished about forty minutes before we started our podcast tonight, and I fell asleep three times. <laughs> on my, okay, on my, my rewatch so analysis of the fucking movie that we're going to be talking about in less than an hour. Uh, yeah, I started falling asleep, and all of a sudden I'm like, "Well, there's about forty-five to sixty minutes that I didn't cover with." any notes whatsoever and that's okay um gosh i just want to tear this movie a new one um i yeah i love maria bello i i am such a huge fan of her and i understand that they didn't have access to rachel supposedly because she didn't want to be in a film where it was portrayed that she was the mother of a 21 year old and i don't know if that's rumor or true what i what i heard was and I don't quote me because again I don't know if this is true, but internet quote. But the um, the guy who was playing her son, who's supposed to be twenty one, was in actuality only four years younger than she was in real life. And she was like, ah. she was like, you want to meet to buy that I'm twenty some odd fucking years older than this guy? Yeah, I yo, she looked so good in the second one. By the way, like. She looked great in Mummy Returns. She really then, did. You know, that was part of the reason, too, why I could buy her pulling some shit off, was because she looked like 
not necessarily that she knew how to do it, but she she looked like an adventurer, you know, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, Maria Bello really she didn't take anything away from this. It this this film failed for every reason that's not Maria Bello related, and I'm not sure who you would have cast differently that would have done any better. That you know, when you lose an actor or actress, like I get it, like it's rarely the same. But it's weird seeing Maria Bella with dark hair too. Is yes, it's very weird with her with dark hair, and she just didn't have the same chemistry with Brendan. Yeah, I mean that that was very apparent. And um, she tried, but step. Yeah. I mean, first first step down, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's nobody's fault. I mean, some people just don't have chemistry together, and the script didn't help them either. In that regard. Right. Um, and I mean, for all the things that I didn't like about this movie, I can't even, that's not even like in my top five, probably, but it was just a noticeable thing. The time jump. Okay. So we're jumping now X amount of years and Brendan Fraser pretty much still looks the same as he did in the mummy, but by now he's 22 years older. Yeah. That's, uh, they didn't bother trying to age them at all, which is another Fucking failure. Uh, yeah, like, get a little salt and pepper in the hair, something, just just something. Like, he doesn't have to look like an old-ass man, but something to age him a little bit. Yes. Or don't do the 21-year-old storyline, which, uh, I don't know, am I wrong in saying that Alex's storyline may have been the most boring part of this whole thing? No, you're not, and... If you said that, hey, the weakest part of the movie was Alex, uh, I would probably agree with you. Like, young Alex was far more entertaining than adult Alex. Yeah, and not only that, but I normally would put, like, a child performance, you know, at least two points below an adult's performance, even if it's just as good, just because kids. And I agree. I would say that kid in The Mummy Returns (laughs) was... Sounds uh-huh. better than the kid, the guy in this. Yeah, and then you get to okay. I'm like, oh, Jelly. Keep in mind, this is the very first time I've seen this movie. Was today. Oh shit! You've never seen it before. No, so I'm kind of excited, right? I like Jet Li. He he was the one that was in Cradle to the Grave, right? Yeah. So imagine you. The first thing you see Jet Li in is uh, Lethal Weapon Four, and then you're like, yeah. wow, this guy's awesome. So you go back and you find a copy of everything that Blockbuster or Video World or wherever you're living at the time has of him, you know, from the the Chinese days. And yes. you follow everything that he does uh, as it comes out in America, as it comes out, you know, Romeo Must Die, Cradle of the Grave, all that shit. And then you're like, oh, he's going to be the bad guy in The New Mummy. And you've just been a Jet Li fanboy since you first see him. And then you see this movie in the theater. I just want you to understand how I felt <laughs> when it was uh, over. The the disappointment. I'm, I'm so happy I didn't see this in the theater because this crushed my spirits a little bit. And my spirit's been pretty crushed this whole damn week. So that this was like stepping on my throat level of disappointment. Um, yeah, what the hell, man? Like, what... That you don't even need Jet Li in that role if that's the role that if that's how you're gonna write it. Am I am I wrong? No, I mean 
And you could have just really put, and I, sorry to say this, any Asian-looking gentleman, you could have put in that role as the emperor that could act competently, and it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have taken anything away from what we saw on screen, right? Oh, think about like how possibly maybe more gravity it would have had if you gave it to somebody like Mako or James Wong. You know, because yeah, because I mean, if you look at the amount of actual martial arts that Jet Li did, it's not a lot. <laughs> No, no. I, I would have actually rather had somebody that was a better dramatic actor than an action star. Yeah, like James Wong would have fucking crushed it for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just a real missed opportunity all around, and just horrible casting for a role. The best casting that they had was Liam Cunningham, who. Didn't have a ton, but he had some. And uh, I really liked David Calder as Roger Wilson. I, I thought he did a really good job. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. Like, Michelle Yeoh's in it. She's fucking mm. underutilized. Isabella, I don't know how, Leong or Long? I don't know. Mm. She was good, though, as Lynn. Yeah. Uh, bo- both were very good. Those two ladies were both probably better in their roles than Maria Bello was. Yeah, and and again, yeah, like, you know, one of the things I really liked her in that I don't hear get brought up very much was the remake of um, Assault on Precinct 13. I still haven't seen that. Well, then uh, I guess you'll have to watch it to get the reference. (laughs) Anyways, um, yeah, this, I don't know, this, to me, felt like an attempt to cash in on something that had been successful, moderately successful, previously. Let's throw some big Chinese names in there, and hopefully we'll get a piece of the Chinese market. And we're going to throw a bunch of action, spectacle, and uh, money at the special effects and hope that <sighs> that convinces people to come and see our movie. Yeah, but the story was never there. First and foremost, was there really a mummy? I mean... Mm, no, not really. So how the fuck are you calling that the mummy? I mean, that, yeah, the, there are closer examples to what is considered a mummy in China than something like that. So, right, like, uh, uh, and then again, you know, like at the movie ends, Johnson's like, "I'm going to Peru," and then he's like, "In the very next year, mummies were found in Peru." You know, shit oh like my that. God. You know, like that cracked me. <laughs> um. All right, so, because I am straight up admitting I lost attention a lot of times as we discussed. What the hell is the big-ass monster that Jet Li kind of turned into? Because well, I know there was Yetis. What was he, though? Well, when when they're going to Shangri-La after they um, uh, bring Rick back to life, you know, when he gets stabbed, they're like, um, mm-hmm. yeah, if if... If the emperor gets into the the fountain, he'll be able to turn himself into any monster, monstrous form out of our nightmares. So I mean, he just turned into King Ghidorah from you know the Godzilla franchise. Uh, I mean, all right, true true thing. I'm looking at my notes, and so after Wilson double crossed people and works with General Wang, which is probably like the first quarter or third of the movie, right? I would say like the first eighth. Okay. After that, I write lots of stuff 
and then my very next note is Jet Li is a monster now. <laughs> That's how much I skipped of this freaking movie. <laughs> See, it's probably like an hour and a half. <laughs> like this movie, yeah, just really. It was um, really. Oh God! And, and once again, you know, because I made a point to criticize before. I didn't like the move, the music and the credits. Yes, they tried. That was the one I was but, thinking of at the end when you when you said that for the first one. I was like, "Well, I hope this is one of the two that he's going to say did not hit it because if he says it hit it, I'm going to be like, what the fuck were you thinking, Kent?'" No, this all right. If you're going to do this in China, then give us some kind of an Asian feel for a sound. Instead, it felt, felt like something you'd hear in London or America around that time. And not, why? Not only that. But I like how literally, in the animations and the credits, they literally go back and do the entire movie. So if you don't want to know what happens in the movie, you can just watch the beginning credits, and it'll show you the whole movie all over again. Yeah, pretty much. Actually, hey, they kind of did that in Prey, though, as well. Yes, they did. But But they did it much better in Prey. The music worked. In Prey. So, here's my question. Why is the Emperor Captain America, uh, Captain Planet? Uh, he, has fi- he has mastery over fire, water, earth, wood, and metal. I don't know why he doesn't have mastery over wind and heart, but still. Because those weren't the elements in China. Oh. Yes. So, how is wood an element? Uh, I don't know what it is. I mean, Isn't wood earth? Like, aren't those the two, basically the same damn thing? No, because trees grow out of the ground. They're not part of the ground. I don't fucking know, dude. I don't know. I, yeah, I was confused but, um, by why they called it elements. Probably because Lao Tzu, when he wrote the book, the Book of Five Elements, included those as the five elements. But I don't know why he did, you know. Okay, fair enough. Well, yeah, I have no love for this, and if I never watch this movie again, I'm okay with it. I'm really glad that I only bought it on DVD, and I never bought the Blu-ray. I'm really glad that I probably paid, like, two bucks for this. Alright, so, moving on, we go to what would have chronologically been the third movie. Yes. Uh, based on production, but um, it's the only one that's kind of like a spin-off, which is itself inspired like eight direct-to-video spin-offs. Oh, God, I've only yes. seen two of them, and um, they did not get better. Uh, to the Scorpion King, which was basically The Rock's really first starring role, if I remember correctly. Yes. It, true story. If you were to have purchased the Blu-ray with digital codes of the Scorpion King franchise, you're sitting there thinking, oh, I'm going to get all five movies on digital. No, you get four out of the five. Which one don't they give you? I think it's like part two or four. Interesting. It's like one of those in the middle. I was like, what the fuck? Like, you, I don't know. You, am am I wrong in saying like, you can't advertise like Blu-ray plus digital, like without saying except, I, I don't know. Well, I mean, obviously they did it, but I would expect you know them to say something for it if they're going to not include one of them. It, it was messed up. That that's the best I can offer, and I mean, I'm sure. I think I still end up buying bought the other one just 
collector's reasons, but, yeah. Anyways. I'm interested in hearing what your thoughts on the Scorpion King are. Alright, I often get accused of not being a huge huge action movie guy. And here's the thing. I've told you this before. This is one of only two movies I saw in the theater three times, which is my personal record. I adore the hell out of this stupid movie. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's great. I'm going to sit here and tell you, though, it's one... It's so entertaining. They cut out all the bullshit. This is like an hour and a half long. They just say, screw it. We're we're not going to worry too much about storyline. We're going to give you little bits and pieces. We're going to give you lots of action. We're going to give you even a little romance. And uh, you're just going to have fun. And we're going to remind you that Michael Clark Duncan was in this. Because I'd forgotten he was in it. I Big fan. I... um. If you had asked me before we took this on how I would have remembered these movies, it would have been like, oh, I really like The Mummy, and I, I, I like The Mummy Returns better. Um, and I really like The Scorpion King, and I kind of liked The Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. And if you asked me again how I felt after rewatching them, I'd be like, I really still really like The Mummy, and The Mummy Returns, I think they hold up. Uh, the Tomb of the Dragon Emperor was even worse than I remembered and should never be brought up again in public company. Um, and I have to say the Scorpion King did not hold up as well as I remembered it because Mm, I would agree. I watched it a lot when it came out because I, I never was into wrestling as much as you guys because, uh, you know, my, my parents weren't, so I never had. And I never had friends growing up until you guys who were into it. So there was no reason for me to be watching it, you know, by myself with nobody to turn me on to it. Do you know what I mean? Right. Uh, and right when we were like, Eric was starting to introduce me to his group of friends that included you and Kevin and Russ and Jim, you know, and hanging out all together. That was about the time that I remember like Stone Cold and The Rock and. Triple Eight, you know, all of those guys just starting to really come out in the the wrestling scene. So, yeah, I mean, I, even though I was never, like, as big a wrestling fan as you guys, yeah, I like The Rock. So, you know, I was curious about where we, what we were going to get from the Scorpion King, you know, if it was going to show us, you know, how he goes from being, you know, this nominal hero that they're showing us in the trailers to being the monster that's going to end the world that we get in <laughs> The Mummy Returns. Hell no. And what we did, we got kind of like a B-grade Conan. But I was okay with that, because The Rock was charismatic enough to carry it. Um, and it, it wasn't a, a bad movie. You know, it, it had, again, script problems. Um, but some of the dialogue was, ugh. yeah. So, but you know, it was, the action scenes were okay. And Kelly, who was really hot. And, um, Oh God, yeah. she is hot. She's actually quite decent. In this, this, th- all right. True story. This, this is, a, was a conversation as I was watching it with Eric and Tuan. I was like, we got talking about Kelly Hugh and I was like, what else has she been in? And then it was like, 
X2 as Lady Deathstrike, and she was also in Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. So, there you go. Yeah, I, I've seen her on some, like, YouTube stuff. And she still looks good, even though she, I mean, you know, we're talking, right. what, probably close to 20 years later? Uh, huh? It is 20 years later, yeah. So, um, so rewatching it this time, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... You can see the growth in the rock from the Scorpion King to this, or Mummy Returns to this, but he he still hadn't. Prob- My guess is he still probably hadn't gotten an acting coach yet. No, because he went right back to to wrestling after he did Mummy Returns. <laughs> so he, it wasn't until I think after this that he started taking more time off to learn his craft. Yeah, I think probably he was on set realizing. This is great, and I'm having fun, but I need to get better, or else this is not going to be a full-time thing. Because he's, like he's, he's probably like, this is way easier than getting the shit kicked out of me in a fucking wrestling ring. Oh, God, yeah. Um, His hair game sucked, too, by the way. I, I, I understand why it existed the way it did, but I didn't like how it looked on him. So, I mean... You can see there's lots of times where like they're going to get ready to do an action scene, and he's standing by waiting for the, you know his mark to hit. Kind of mm-hmm. like bouncing back and forth. Um, yeah, some of the other like Michael Clark Duncan was amazing in the Green Mile, and then you see him in something like this, and you're like, "What the fuck is going on?" It, it defies that character was written really badly. Yeah, because you know he was good in Armageddon, which came out before this as well. Um, I mean, it wasn't like a huge role in Armageddon, but it was a palpable role. Um, and and yet, I don't know. Am I wrong in saying that this movie was was as weak as it was because it didn't have a strong enough uh, antagonist? You're not. I mean, like you said, one of the things that a movie needs, if you have somebody playing the straight man, in this case, The Rock is a compelling cast of side characters in order to, you know, hook us in and keep pull us, pulling us in to sit around, you know, and see what the straight man is doing. And yeah, no, it's the antagonist wasn't that strong. Um, the side characters weren't that strong. A lot of them were, were basically just fucking tropes. Um, our, our pit felt a lot like Benny in, in some ways to me. Yeah. He wasn't bad. He wasn't bad, but like, uh, you know, skinny con man guy. Okay, I'm good. Yeah, I think the best side character was the damn camel. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about kids. Arpid was yeah. the best. The kid, kid was yeah, you know, Bernard Hill is a good actor. You know, he's done like fucking amazing movies. Um, so one note as the fucking uh, gunpowder guy, uh, Kelly who was okay but even now watching it back you know some of her performance was pretty stilted too so a lot of it probably relied on her just her appearance and then you get to somebody like memnon and you know like it probably goes to show you that like i haven't seen the guy in anything until i just saw him recently in the sandman you know a show that came out in 2022 20 years after the fucking last thing i remember seeing this guy in Wow, that really does put uh, some things in perspective. Uh, and like, 
Peter Facinelli I find fascinating because you know I've seen him do decent acting and it's probably the best examples are like the fucking Twilight movie I'm like I'm like you put this guy in it that's gonna fucking tank him in the and I was like oh wow you know it's funny you're giving me the best performance of your life and the worst fucking <laughs> but um you know like in this like he's fucking horrible be quiet because my father tells you to and I, I like once again he was a shitty antagonist I like how he goes out like a chump you know literally doesn't even get to swing his weapon at anybody uh the only one who gets any licks in is fucking Ralph Moeller and if you know who he is I mean he he fucks people up in any movie where he's a bad guy whether or not he dies or not Right. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at Ralph, and I see that he's in Gladiator. I can't picture who he is in Gladiator. He is. Why can't when when they when he gets to be the uh, the Gladiator and they send him to Rome, he's like a slave. He is the giant German guy with oh, them. Okay. So he's awesome. Yeah. He's the one who, okay. when they're when he's like, we have a better chance of surviving this if we stay together. He's the one who goes off by himself and pushes over the chariot. Okay, so he's awesome. Yeah. Okay, check. So, then why did they put such two really, really weak individuals as the antagonists? Because if you gave Dwayne something to work off of, if you gave Michael Clark Duncan half a decent character to work off of, and maybe gave Kelly Hughes something other than, hey, you're going to be like probably cold in this outfit at night, <laughs> uh, but you're hot. Um, God, this was a movie meant for guys and guys only, I, I feel. Right? I feel like this is a movie that existed prime time in like the Maxim slash FHM era. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember taking, well, I went uh went to I can't remember what the hell the college was uh to see my friend Amanda and then we went uh with her roommate and her roommate's boyfriend to see this on opening night and I was pretty like I I was like 50/50 that I was going to get laid after that but here's the thing I get back and I realize that's probably not going to happen, and I still have Godsmack stuck in my head. So the rest of the night, I just started singing "I Stand Alone." I did not get laid, but I still I stood alone. One thing I will give this movie though is it's got like, for me anyway, probably like top five movie soundtrack. Really good music. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so. Basically, they're just like, well, we can have good music or we have good antagonists. We can't have both? No. Okay. Yeah, I really, I think I, I have to put this one up there almost with Queen of the Damned and the Crow soundtrack. Yeah, this is just a really good soundtrack. And even even for the like the bands that people don't like, they still picked, like Nickelback. I like Nickelback, but a lot of people don't. They still picked like a good song to put on the soundtrack for them. Right, I, I agree. Like, it's... I mean, it, this soundtrack is specifically known for the Godsmack song, but it ha- it was loaded, and like even throughout the movie, just the instrumental stuff was good. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so t- to me, like, I know this movie isn't like a strong movie by any means, but it's an entertaining as hell, mindless. I can just turn my like this actually woke me back up. It's basically. it's a guilty pleasure, 
unfortunately, it's not as big of a guilty pleasure as I remembered it being. It, it existed at a time, and it served its purpose, and in another 10 years, I can watch this again and be like, alright, I remember why I loved this movie, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, like, you know, I, I, I will straight up get... It had a great soundtrack. It was entertaining. And I really don't think that without this, I don't think we get The Rock. And I've enjoyed a lot of the other movies that he's done over his career. Yeah, I would agree. So, I I find this to probably be my second most entertaining movie out of the four that we talked about, but it's pro- it's the third best. I'm just saying, entertainment-wise, somehow I get more entertainment out of this than I do Bummy Returns. Oh, well, I mean, straight up, dude, you were way bigger into the wrestling fran- fandom and franchise than, than I was. So it makes oh, sense. I, 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 hell, when I, when I post the blog for this, I'm definitely going to get on my action figure. I have a Scorpion King action figure. So how many people have that? Uh, I don't. <laughs> Jealous. I, I still wish we had gotten the story of how he goes from being the king at the end to being like this fucking monster that's going to destroy the world. What was basically what, is all that we have to go off of it is when he's like, what do you predict for the future? And she's like, well, no kingdom can blah, blah, blah. Like, was that the only, that's the only thing. Time. Cause like all of the sequels to this were prequels. Oh gosh. Like I, I own the Scorpion King too. And it was actually, pretty decent for direct-to-video. I mean, it was the first thing I saw Randy Couture in as an actor, and, and he was worse than The Rock was in The Scorpion, or in The Mummy Returns. Oh, no. But, fantastic. he was, I would say he was decent by the time he got to, like, Expendables and Expendables 2. I mean, he didn't have a huge part in either of them, but, you know, it wasn't like he was reading a prompter for his lines, so. Okay. But, again, they're all prequels. And, you know, like, I want to be like, you were throwing, like, fucking full-on magic and shit into them. And, like, the most magical thing we had in the Scorpion King was, like, the sorceress grabbing a cobra at the end, you know, kind of deal. Yeah, that whole scene was... Mm. I'm, I'm looking at the cast for all the other movies, and... Not only am I seeing Big Dave Batista and Kimbo Slice in part three, but in part four, I'm seeing Barry Bostwick, Rucker Hauer, and M. Emmett Walsh. Like, and Eve Torres. Wow. Okay. She used to be in wrestling. And then part five has a, two more wrestlers. So they kept the wrestling thing going as much as they could. Interesting. Yes. But... I'm sure the all delineate worse and worse. Although probably like part three or part four is like this rare gem that's not nearly as bad as you would expect it to be. That's usually how some of these like that's how Children of the Corn worked. Like you'd occasionally get like one rare one that was okay. I find it funny too that there's several years between each one of them. You know, like there were six years between Scorpion King and Scorpion King two, and then four between two and three and three between three and four. Usually when they're trying to cash in on that stuff, they're doing it like every year or so. Now, all right, from your knowledge, are they all about the exact same character? 
Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, okay. the Scorpion King two is you know Kid Matthias. Okay. Interesting. Hmm. Well, I have nothing more to add. I don't. I don't either. Um, so I know you said you had seen certain um, uh, movies. I have. So, let us hear it. Okay, so let us go back in time just a little bit. Last time that we talked, um, we we discussed prey. I I believe. Yes. Right. Yes, we did. Um, did we talk about the other Predator movies? We did not. No. Okay. So there was I I because I'd already reviewed the Predator and Predator Two, um, but I I never reviewed Predators or was it just Predator or the Predator? I don't the know. Predator. Whatever the two yeah. dozen. Yeah. Okay. So Predators has this like solid cast in theory except Adrian Brody is kind of like he's not supposed to be Schwarzenegger but he's still like a merc it really I don't know that that movie didn't really work for me the best part was Lawrence Fishburne quite frankly and he's on screen for 5-10 minutes maybe like you have all you have Topher Grace, uh, Alice Braga, who I'm a huge fan of, Walton Goggins, Danny Trio, Derek Mears. Like, it I was don't know. it was a great I, cast, and I saw it in the theater. And yeah, I, I think again, it's one where it's just let down by the script. Like, there were some really cool ideas in it, and then it dude, focused it was on Cube like in the jungle. It focused on like wrong, yeah, like. I don't give a fuck about spoilers for a movie that's been out that long. Like, Topher Grace being a serial killer at the end, I'm like, seriously? You're getting fucking picked off by these fucking aliens, and you're gonna, you can't put your fucking, uh, self on hold long enough to not kill the woman, you know, until you escape? Right. It, uh, very frustrating movie. And I did not give it a good review, quite frankly. And I wanted to, because the concept, the concept to me, is Cube in a jungle. You know, random strangers wake up, and hey, we gotta work together. I love that idea in movies. I I love when that stuff happens. Like, even in The Hunt, I liked it, and that was a quirky movie. This just... Adrian Brody was not right for the lead, and I don't blame him either. No, he definitely... He definitely gave his all. I mean, he went in and fucking... He didn't really put on weight, but he fucking... He put on 25 pounds of muscle. Yeah, seriously. Ridiculous. I mean, I was going to do that after watching it, and then I, you know, a day later I said, no, not for me. But, you know, someday maybe. But to go from that to The Predator, which has a dumb idea, still has a good cast... But what they did is that, in in my opinion, at the very least, while I don't really necessarily consider Boyd Holbrook a household name by any means, even though he's done some stuff, I didn't think he was right for the top guy when you have somebody you know along the lines of Thomas Jane in your cast. But then the more you watch it, you're like, no, Thomas Jane and Keegan-Michael Key working off each other as 
you know, kind of gay dudes. But one being the funny guy, the other one with the uh, turrets. Those guys were perfect in their roles, and I wouldn't change that. Like, Boyd didn't hurt the product as the lead. He just was unlikely. Uh, Trevante Rhodes from uh, Bird Box, he had a good role. Sterling K. Brown is an incredibly underrated actor. Really huge fan. Yes, Sterling K. Brown is, is good. Like... This movie had good side characters, even though the plot was worse than Predators. The writing was better for the dialogue, and therefore somehow more enjoyable for me. Oh, Alfie Allen, I forgot, and Jake Busey. I am not going to lie. I'm not. I don't. I'm not a big fan of Olivia Munn. I don't think she can really act. <laughs> that there's a reason why I didn't specifically name her. <laughs> I am a big fan of Yvonne Strahovski, but. Uh, That's the who? the uh, the other chick in it. Um, oh, okay. Was the that the wife? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like, I really liked her in Dexter. Um, yeah, I'm a fan from her being in Mass Effect, and she's really hot. So she she is. But um, also, yeah, the son was in Good Boys, I believe, which was a funny as hell movie. Yeah, Good Boys. Go on. Uh, anyways, um, yeah, I, and. You know, like, I don't like having an autistic son. Seeing people try to play portray autism in a positive way is a good thing, but like seeing them try to portray autism as like a superpower, you know, doesn't really you know hit me in the right way. I can that that makes sense to me. It. It's really weird how, I mean, well, when did we even really start having characters with autism? It's only past 10 years or so, 20 years? Uh, I mean, I remember a movie with um, Liv Tyler, and I think it was John Lithgow, called Silent Fall. Okay. Uh, That came out in 19, uh, Richard Dreyfuss came out in 1994. That was the first time I remember really seeing something about uh, a person with autism. Hmm. Okay, so it's been longer, I guess, than I would have realized. But, I mean, it hasn't been anywhere near as prevalent as it is now. But, I mean, the scary thing is, you know, like, talking to to doctors, supposedly... The numbers now are it's like one in every couple thousand people has is on the spectrum in some way. By 2060, it's going to be one in every 64 people around the spectrum. I actually thought that number would be... I thought more people than that, to be honest. I, so... Yeah. Eh. Autism is just... It's, it's one of those weird things I, I got to learn about it when I... Worked at Liberty for the three and a half years. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, that was something I just didn't have any knowledge of until then, really. And it was it was a really interesting thing to understand because you know not everything's really well known about it yet. Oh, and it, and it's and it, it really when people say spectrum, it really is because you can have you know people just this side of catatonic up to people who function and don't even realize you know they're they're there. Yeah, so 
Yeah. But to get back to Predators or the Predator, yeah, yeah, it was fucking. I don't know. It was bad. Like I, I have a friend at work who will forgive anything with a predator or an alien in it. Like he, he's forgiving for Prometheus, and I fucking hate that movie. But even he is like the predator sucked. Huh. See, I would watch the Predator again before I'd watch Predators. That's I know I'm in the minority based on everything that I read review wise, but I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, I didn't rate either high. Uh alright. So and you finished oh, Prey. Quick question. Um Here, go ahead. at the end of the Predator, when they unveil like, oh we got some secret thing, because now we have the kid working in this top secret laboratory, whatever. Mm. Am I the only one that was kind of hoping that there was going to be a xenomorph in there? No, you're not. Okay. Okay. So, next movie I did. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre that came out this year on Netflix that was another direct sequel to the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre of 1974. This movie was bad. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat this in any way. This movie was bad. This movie didn't make a whole lot of sense. In the in the here, here's the thing. So they have this lady because they they don't have access to Marilyn Burns. I don't remember if she's. I think she's still alive, but she didn't want the role. So they replaced her with this other lady to portray the original survivor, Sally. So, she's looking all like Jamie Lee Curtis in the new Halloween movies. Okay, cool. Here's the problem. Then you show who Leatherface is, and there's no question who Leatherface is, unlike, you know, in, say, the movie Leatherface. There's no surprise. It's just the big dude. He has normal, solid black hair. There's no gray, no salt and pepper. Now, we're saying from 1974 till now, uh... Dude would have been in his 60s. What? I, I don't understand. I, I'm not trying to always focus on hair, but in this case, he's in his 60s. And not, I mean, come on, let's be real. He's not going out and getting some uh, just for men hair coloring. Okay? Like, we know that. He ain't doing that. He hides a chainsaw being behind a wall in his bedroom. Now, why has he built a wall... To cover up his damn chainsaw. Makes no sense. Did we get the cliche, hey, I need to hide, let me find a closet that has horizontal slats so we can have the jump scare. Did we have a scene where Leatherface is underwater for an exorbitant amount of time, but when he comes up, he pops up so high, he pops up so he's out of the water where only like his knee to his foot is underwater. Nope, no person can do that. I can't. But yet, it just, this movie was beyond inexplicable, and it's bad, and I don't recommend it. And one final thing I'll say about it is, I went to IMDb, I looked at reviews, and I got 25 reviews per page. So when I, I wrote down the number of each review out of 1 through 10, I then added up, did the average. The average was 2.96 out of 10. And they weren't wrong. That movie sucked. Don't recommend it. 
Please listen to me, people. Do not watch it. Damn. That's got to be bad when you're giving like recommendations like that. Normally, I would say, like, hey, go ahead and watch it if you want a good time, you know, whatever. There's some kills, there's some blood and stuff, but no. Um, and then comes our friend Michael Myers, because I never watched Halloween Kills, and I obviously Halloween Ends came out this past previous weekend. So, Halloween 2018... You you haven't watched any of the three, right? I watched 2018. I watched that one. I haven't seen Halloween Kills or Halloween Ends. So here, here's my recommendation for anybody that's just seen Halloween 2018. Stop. Just imagine that Michael died in that fire and you're good. You you are so good. Like, that's enjoyable, right? No. No, because in Halloween Ends, we get a high, high body count. Um, really high body count. Um... Jamie Lee Curtis, although she's on screen a lot, like, does jack shit. Um, it's more around the granddaughter and her boyfriend that she broke up with, but now is good. It's about Tommy and I can't remember the other girl. The, the original kids that Jamie Lee Curtis was babysitting in the original. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, then there's a, a mob that wants to end the madness, except they chase down the wrong guy, and it's just a guy that escaped when Michael escaped and we have a big crowd beat down finally when they do get Michael, except nobody like uses a gun when they use a knife. Do they stab him in the head? Do this? No, they stab him in between the shoulder blades once. And then everybody's like, yay, we did it. We somehow stopped this guy who's been getting up from everything. Guess what? They didn't stop him. This was stupid, but it was schlocky fun, and some people, I think, can enjoy it, you know, without taking it too seriously. I know that sounded negative. No, here's negative. Halloween ends? (sighs) So, I know that you've watched some, if not all, of the Friday the 13th. We all remember Friday the 13th Part 5. The one where Jason's not the killer, right? Mm-hmm. So that's one of the most despised Friday the 13th. So what does Halloween Ends do? They make it about making a new killer that's not Michael. Mm-hmm. What, the, what the fuck? And the guy, he tries hard. He, he really, like, they, they do try with the acting, but... They're on fucking cruise control on the writing, the every, everything. Yeah, in the end, you know, they quote unquote kill Michael. Honestly, by that point, I wanted Jamie Lee and Michael to tag team this new schmuck. I was so fed up with this. So, I'm just saying, if you've seen 2018, stop there with happy, fond memories, and maybe in a few years we'll get you know a sixth. Your, you know, timeline to the Halloween franchise. Yeah. Um, wow. I mean, when you, when you think about it, like, who wants to basically cover one of the all-time most highly disregarded Friday the 13th movies? Like, that's not a good idea. I, I don't know what they were thinking. Um, I watched VFW, which I think I've talked about before. 
Um, has a great cast. Has uh, Stephen Lang, George Went, um, God, William Sadler, the dude who was the sensei in Cobra Kai. That the that dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it also has uh, the dude from The Crow and The Warriors. The guy that goes, Warriors, come out to play. That dude. <laughs> um, I could have done that better if I had a full voice. Um, anyway, now that movie is still delightful, and I highly recommend it. If you just want a no-nonsense Assault on Precinct 13 type movie. Okay. Because um, the acting's fine for what it is. Oh, and Fred Williamson from uh, from Dust Till Dawn. Yep. Like, so I, I, I definitely would recommend it. I think, like, pop yourself a bag of popcorn, sit down. It's like, you know, 90-minute movie. I don't think you'll be dissatisfied if you like action movies and, like, surviving for the night type thing. Um, then on Hulu, uh, I watched this what I thought was a movie, but it's part of like a TV series, kind of like how uh, Masters of Horror or Fear itself was. Mm-hmm. Um, this was called, uh, the series is called Into the Dark. Um, and this particular episode was called Tentacles. And all I will offer you is this. If you remember the movie from like, I don't know, 2012, 2014 called Honeymoon with Rose Leslie from Game of Thrones? Yeah. Yeah, that one really uh, bothered me that you made after you made me watch it. Okay, great. You should watch Tentacles. There's a lot more sex in it. Do I Titties. do I really want to? Does does he pull out something that looks like a mucus clot from with <laughs> It it's not as disturbing. I'll I'll say that. It's not nearly as disturbing and there's a lot more sex. So, I think it's a fair trade-off. Okay. Get more sex. Yeah. All right. Um I, how much, I, I don't want to say how much tentacle more. sex do I get? Uh, I mean, unless you want to count tentacle going inside of an ear. If you do, then yeah. there's some tentacle sex. Yeah. I mean, for, but, for a movie called Tentacles, to skip the hentai, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, I know, I know. So, after that, my friends left, and an hour later, I started coughing... And to the point where I thought I was going to puke, and then COVID hit me. So then I had however many days where I didn't do anything. And then I was like, I'm feeling better. I rewatched every Nightmare on Elm Street movie except for part two, um, including the awful re- reboot, because I'll still watch that instead of part two. And I, I know we're going to eventually do the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. I know this. I can't wait for it because I have so many things to say about it. But one thing I, I want to just offer is this. I think Nightmare on Elm Street 4 may actually be the most definitive Nightmare on Elm Street movie. That was the Dream Master? Dream Master, yeah. yes. So, I'm just going to throw that out there, something to think about when we eventually do that franchise. So, to segue off of your Nightmare on Elm Street thing, I've been yeah. watching um, uh, The Midnight Club by uh, Fuck, what's his face? The uh, the guy who's done all the Stephen King stuff on um, Netflix. Is it Mick Garris? No. Oh. Um, and then he's done the, uh, you know, like Hush, 
House on... Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, I forgot what his name is. Off the top of my... I, probably because I've been drinking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Flanagan. Yes. And um, Heather Langenkamp's been in that. And uh, she plays the doctor of this hospice where they bring in, like, teenagers who've got cancer and whatnot and are in the process of dying back in the 90s. It's got a great fucking uh, soundtrack, man. Like, I'm hearing some shit bringing me back, you know, like Harvey Danger, uh, Blind Melon, uh, Toadies, you know, shit like that. Um, oh, Possum Kingdom? Yep. Nice. Yeah, a remix of Possum Kingdom is what they play for the trailer. But, uh, oh. So, like, the premise is there's all sorts of shit going down, but these kids all get together every midnight and tell a ghost story, you know, because they're dying. Uh, and that's the, the Midnight Club. So. You know, when they tell the story, it's it's all of them being put into, you know, new situations, whatever the story is. But Heather Langenkamp has been, you know, besides being the, the head doctor, she's been, you know, a character in every one of these stories, too. So she's gotten a chance to stretch. You know, in, like, one, she was, like, a police lieutenant. In another, she was, uh, fuck, I don't remember. But, you know, so it's it's cool to see her as more than just Nancy. That's, that's awesome, because... She was in Shocker ever so briefly, but by and large, I hadn't seen her. She was also in a film, I want to say, called Truth or Dare, and that wasn't that great of a role for her either. So I'm happy she's got a good role. Yeah, it's cool. And, it's cool. Uh, I don't think I've really seen too much other shit, though. I've been catching up on, you know, like House of the Dragons and Lord of the Rings and whatnot. So I will let you get back to your list. Well, did you watch any of the three things that we decided we were going to watch? Well, the, you were going to watch them. Um, which, oh, which ones were they again? Uh, one was the Mr. Harrigan's phone. I have not, I have not I seen that yet. No, I have not seen Hellraiser I, yet. And what was the last one? Uh, the other one was the, the werewolf one. Oh, I did. Disney. I did watch that. I did watch that one. All right. So let's talk about that. We're, Here's werewolf my first by question. night. Is what he's talking about, guys, just to put the test, you know, to, to yeah. be better than House of the Dragon on dropping names. Yeah. Um, who the hell was this meant for? Like, I, I'm trying to figure out who the f- intended audience was for, for this, because I'm not saying it was good or bad. I'm just asking, who do you think the intended audience is for that? I just think they're seeing if there is an audience for something like that. Because, I mean, just like in DC, there's a whole fucking world of that shit existing within Marvel, and all we've been getting, basically, is the same stuff over and over and over again. Did you did you like it? I did. I um, I wasn't sure. I mean, going in, I've seen a lot of reviews where people were like, oh, yeah, this is really good. So I wasn't sure what to... I tell you what, I was not expecting it to be as fucking funny as it was. Okay, I'll I'll give you that... Well, first of all, I didn't know what to expect. So there were times where I was like, okay, is it trying to be funny? Is it trying to be dark? Is it trying to be uh, R-rated? I, I couldn't quite get a grasp on it. I mean, it was definitely trying to be darker, and I think it succeeded over, you know, most typical MCU shit. Um, like, I don't think they were aiming for an R rating, but I think... <sighs> Excuse me. One of the ways that they avoided that was by doing the black and white, you know, so they could get away with showing blood, you know, and not have to worry about the color kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I, 
they said that they want to do more of these where they're calling it like an event instead of like, they don't want to do a whole show and they don't want to do a movie, but they want to do like maybe an hour, hour and 15 minute kind of thing. So, I mean, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt to see more off the wall stuff. It, it was interesting. And I mean, I didn't know any of the characters other than Elsa Bloodstone. And that's only because of the Marvel game that I play. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, all this was, like, new people to me. I liked, uh, God, what the hell, what was the name of the monster that, Ted? Yeah, right? I, I don't know why they didn't call it by its name. Well, I mean, they called it by its name, but, like, not its its title. It's like, well, I, I guess I, I do know, like, his name's Ted, but they call him, his, his, his like, title is Man-Thing in the comics. He was basically made up to, like, try to draw audience away from Swamp Thing, that DC had. Oh, okay. Similar kind of character, similar kind of story, kind of shit. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm I'm all for them trying new things again. Like I I didn't love this, but I didn't hate it either. I was also incredibly tired and whatnot. So, with with that being said, I I want to see them do more stuff like this though, just because it's different. Well, I would love it if they if we ever someday get like a, a real Midnight Suns thing collaboration. You know, like Blade and Morbius and Werewolf by Night and Ghost Rider and dealing with all of the vampires and you know Frankenstein's monster and werewolves and shit like that that have been you know out of sight in the MCU until now. Well, I mean there's a isn't there like a really strong fan following for that stuff as is? Like, weren't we supposed to get Blade at some point? We, I mean, it's still on the, the table, but like, I guess there've been issues with the script, you know? So like the latest thing we've been seeing is like Mahershala Ali's not happy with it. So. Oh, okay. Well, that's a bummer. I, well, I, I'd rather them wait until the script was solid than to put out a mediocre product that only gets one film that disappoints, you know? I mean, the other thing I would say is that I get why they try to drum up so much hype for everything, but when you're putting stuff out, you know, like five or six years before it's going to come out, that's an awful long time to ask somebody to wait around for a role, you know? I, I agree, yeah. They're, they're, you have to have your shit together. That, that's all. Like, I mean, part I of the know. reason that putting out the announcements for, like, Phase 3 and Phase 4, excuse me, Phase 2 and Phase 3 for the MCU at the time worked was because you had already got all of the actors together. You already had them in a contract, and you were only adding, like, a handful of new properties. You know, doing the same thing for Phase 4 and Phase 5, where you're basically rehashing everybody except for, like, Thor and Doctor Strange. You know, yeah, coming in 2025, we're going to have Blade. Yeah, I'm sure Mahershala Ali's like, dude, I want to do more, you know, Oscar-winning fucking pictures, you know, after following up on my you know, my second win for Green Book. Right. Which I still haven't seen. That's the one that has uh, Vigo, right? Yeah, I have it too, and I haven't watched it yet, so I feel bad about that. But, I mean, a lot of times my, my wife is like, hey, you want to watch something? She's like, what about Green Book? I'm like, I am so fucking tired right now that if I sit down and watch something that doesn't keep me awake, I'm just going to fall asleep, and then I'll be regretful that I didn't watch it and I fell asleep in it. It's one of those movies that I want to be able to give full attention to. So I, I get that. Um, Alright. 
Now, okay, you didn't watch Hellraiser, and I don't want to... I don't want to hype it in any way. I'll say this. I think they did for a quote-unquote reboot. I think they did it justice. Did you have a problem with the chick as Pinhead? Because Hell no. I, had a, I had a guy who's pretty fucking misogynistic come up to me. And he was like, yeah, no, she fucking killed it. Um, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people probably think I'm misogynistic. And no, no. Like, Pinhead, all like the horror icons perfect for a female role why like why wouldn't you like you can't make freddy krueger into a female because of freddy's backstory it just would be weird you can't have a michael jason or leatherface as a female it'd be weird jigsaw possibly right you could do that yeah jigsaw would work i mean like the the reason it's not going to work for like a michael or a jason is because i mean the woman that you would have to be that big you yeah. have to be so overpowering. It, yeah. Which, I mean, do you know anything about Barbarian? I've heard nothing but cool things about okay, it. Okay, I won't give you any. Anyways, but yeah, like a jigsaw would work, or... Chucky obviously yeah. worked, but they already had Tiffany. Yeah. When they brought Tiffany in, they, that was an acknowledgement that it worked. Leprechaun, they could do a female leprechaun, I suppose. Yeah, Wishmaster, but, something like that. You know, shit's not going to make... I mean... To be completely honest, like, in the original story, in the Books of Blood, I don't think the Cenobites had a sex. I think they were all multi-trans, polysexual, gross beings. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense, though, based on, by being a Cenobite, what you kind of go through in order to be that, right? Exactly. Um... No, the the girl that they had, the lady, she was awesome. Um, the main actress in it at times kind of rubbed me the wrong way, and I, I, it wasn't her fault; it was the character. But that was the character was meant to rub you the wrong way at times. The story was good, though, dude. Like, it didn't feel like any of the other Hellraisers. It felt original and it felt fun. Uh, not. F- Fun in the twisted sense that horror fans will find things fun. Um, I, I would say it's a breath of fresh air after Hellraiser 5, 6, 7, and 8 were never ever written. Oh, wait. 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. Uh, none of them were written to be Hellraiser movies. They were all just scripts that they th- wedged Pinhead into. So, this... I don't know. To me, this felt like a breath of fresh air for the franchise. I, I really, I'm a big fan of it. So that's, good. That's it's awesome. a good a good chance to see people doing a reboot the right way. Yes, I I, I think that it works on a lot of levels. So, um, I look forward to them hopefully uh, continuing uh, down down the road. I, I've heard that's been kind of successful. So. Uh, With success in horror, there's always sequels. That's weird, though. I mean, because well, not, not weird, but in it being successful, it's just weird that because like, why are they releasing shit like that in Prey on Hulu? No, I don't know. Wait, wait uh, why? Why are they on Hulu? Yeah. As opposed to like in a theatrical release. Oh well, yeah, that, I mean, put it on Hulu, but give it a theatrical release too, not just on Hulu only. 
you know, if you want to, especially if you're hearing good things about both of these movies that you're putting out, you know, all the critical buzz is good. You're just, you're just yeah. throwing money away at that point. You really are, because Prey was really... Prey, Prey is officially my second favorite Predator movie. Yeah, I, I really, you know, and and again, I can't believe, like you said, they did a great job of, like, making a girl power movie work. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it succeeded both as a reboot and as an example of, like, how to do that right. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's not going to make anywhere near the money, money that it should have because of that, just being on Hulu. Right. And I just, I'm hoping that actress gets more opportunities now because she showed she could really perform. And I hope that the writers get another stab at, you know, as you conjectured, you know, a different time frame, a different area, et cetera, et cetera. I, I'm, I'm all for it. And quite frankly, if I had a daughter, I would be like, as soon as you're 10, we're sitting down watching Prey. <laughs> That's awesome. I'd be like, that and Kill Bill. That's what we're watching in Alien. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's bust out card number two for this one. Yes. So you can humiliate me again in front of the internet again. Well, yeah. All right. Uh, let me grab a, a stack here and see if there's anything... Um, I feel that this is all too, I feel like you should be able to get at least three, if not four of these. All right. Yeah, thanks for the, the pressure. Yep. Name two horror movies that take place in the snow or ice. Uh, <laughs> Alien versus Predator. Oh, yeah. And Ravenous. Okay, cool. I, I I was going with Hypothermia, Wrong Turn Four, or The Shining. I, I thought Shining was going to be the first thing. I was I was like the first thing that came to my head was and I didn't remember if this was right or not was Zombievers. So no, but Dead Snow. Yeah, d- was that was the I was that was the, the picture I was thinking of. But Zombievers was fun, weird. All right, a a bucket of blood. A fire hose and tampons, nineteen seventy-six. All right, Carrie. All right, this is the one I don't. I don't have any clue. What is the full title of the German expressionist horror film *The Golem* from nineteen twenty? Oh Jesus! Uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh my God, I'm so. Dude, we both forgot The Thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a ton of them, dude. The Thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, Krampus was another Dreamcatcher. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, all all, right, the, all so the Christmas ones. Silent Night, Deadly yeah. Night. Yeah. Black, Black Christmas. Christmas yeah. Okay. The Golem, How He Came Into the World. I forgive you for not getting that because who the hell is getting that one? All right. Back to something you can get. What actor played Dr. Sam Loomis in Rob Zombie's Halloween 2007? Wasn't that Malcolm McDowell? It was. Okay. All right. And, and see, this is the one, I, and you could get three, but here's the one I'm not sure about. A young woman undergoes experimental plastic surgery to save her life after an accident, 
but the surgery causes her to crave human blood and sets off a city-wide epidemic in this 1977 film. It was also recently remade probably about within the last 10 years. Shit. Um, I know I, I, it was on a couple of lists for one of the things that we did last year on the podcast. Um, that would make sense. I'm pretty sure I know who the director... Oh, wait. Is that say Marilyn Chambers, isn't it? It does, yeah. She was sexy, didn't it? Um, it's a Cronenberg yes. movie, if that helps in any way. I'm trying to remember. Uh, was it The Craving? Nope. Okay. What? It is Rabbit. That, okay, yep. I really liked. I haven't seen the the remake of it, but I I thought the first one was really good. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, I I remember that w- that was one of the ones that's on my list of his movies to see. That and The Brood, those come up a lot, and yeah, I haven't seen, seen them. That. Well, I you got your I seem to be uh, three for three for five. That seems to be my my go to for Kent's fucking. Uh, what are those called? They are called Slash Cards, the horror movie trivia game. I seem to be a good three for five for the Slash Cards. So we'll see next month if my stuff continues. I guess next week when we talk, discuss yeah. the uh, finale for House of the Dragon. Uh, did we figure out what we're doing next month for our, uh, the horror version of our podcast? Mm. No, do you have anything? No, in mind? you go ahead and pick. You let me pick the uh, the Mummy franchise. All right. So next week we will announce what the horror is for November. All right, Internet. Thank you for staying with us as long as you did. It is now no longer my birthday, so you have been treated to two days worth of content. Um, it was fun, and thank you again for letting me talk about this. You know, stuff that wasn't necessarily scary and going to scar my brain. Uh, and I will talk to you later, Kent. Oh, you know what? I meant wanted to tell you something. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I, you know, wait till after I, my old. I wait till your outro. Yeah. Yes, I know. I just screwed you over. Um, today was the very first day I had a shot glass full of honey, and I'll tell you, not bad. I enjoy honey. I've never had it from a shot glass. Well. I'm trying not to contaminate everything. Like I'm going through like the disposable plastics uh, spoons um, as much as possible. But like, I was like, I got this shot glass. It's of uh, Tyrion, actually. Um, so it's a pint size, little guy. And uh, yeah, great. Uh, I did that. And one other thing I was going to throw out there was two days ago because I couldn't breathe. This is what I was living off of: Vicks Vapor Rub and Frank's Red Hot. That's an interesting combination, and I enjoy both of them separately. Yeah. Yeah, That so, I mean, for anybody going through COVID that can't breathe through your nose, Vicks and Frank's Red Hot. That's that's all I wanted to leave people on, so. Well, there you go, Vicks and Frank's. <laughs> sounds like it could be a restaurant or something. Anyways, uh, yeah, again, thank you, and good night from me. Yeah, good night for me too.